Welcome to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. My name is Brandon Adams, lifestyle entrepreneur and inventor, passionate about helping others with creating something great and becoming unforgettable. Each week we discuss helpful tips on becoming a successful entrepreneur and interview other entrepreneurs and inspirational people. Our goal is to help take your business and lifestyle to the next level. Now let's get started. Welcome back to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. I'm Brennan T. Adams, and on today's show, we have the one, the only, the guy I look up to, my everything, the reason why I do everything I do, Randy S. Adams, my father. I wanted to do this a long time ago, this podcast show. I wanted to do it for Father's Day. It didn't happen. And I've been traveling. Actually, I just got back. I haven't been in my actual home for two months. And I was out the cabin with my father. I said, let's do this show. And some of the questions I took from the show or to ask him were from Brennan Bouchard. He had 32 questions that you should ask your father before he passes. I used some from that. And then also asked some questions I want to know. You are going to learn. This is my favorite show. This is my favorite show of all time. I mean, obviously, it's my father, but you're going to learn so much. And after listening to this, I learned a lot. And just to see where the seed was planted, I, I see where my grandpa, the things he did, and then for my dad, what he's done, and then how I've learned from all that. And you'll notice some of the things my dad says, I haven't heard him say before, but he's saying things that I preach all the time. And it was just a couple times about teared up in this show. You're going to learn a lot. Um, so you're going to hear about how my uh, grandpa, he worked on the railroad and how he was an entrepreneur himself. He is probably the happiest guy in the world. And actually, his his brother became a multimillionaire. But his brother even mentioned that, you know, uh, that my grandpa was a smarter one because he wasn't really rich, but he was rich in life with what he, he did, what he loved. And you'll see where my dad, how he got started entrepreneurship, he did a lot of different things. And he, growing up, he had a struggle. Um, he had Perthes disease. He was on crutches until 10. They didn't think he was ever going to walk. Well, he proved them wrong. And uh, talk about how he got into a couple of businesses. He bought a farm with his dad. He worked on the farm. Talk about how he worked in the lunch wagon business, how he had a food uh, truck <laughs> or trailer and uh, made money doing that. And then he talks about how he got in the ice business, how he got in that in 85 and uh, ended up buying out from the guy and talk about all the things went together, uh, what he went through in that business and how he built it up, <clears throat> how he actually got like 50 accounts in a matter of a month, got new accounts and how we actually work together now. I bought the company out from him almost three years ago and how we've been able to work together in business. And uh, my dad has some great insight. There's so much you can learn from this. Um, there's life lessons to learn. There's business lessons to learn. There's lessons to learn if you're in a relationship. Seriously, the best show I've had. I, I love it. it. It went about an hour long and uh, it's well worth it. You're gonna learn a lot and I really wanna hear your feedback after this. And I love my dad, everything he has done for me. Um, he has created everything that I have and what I've done and accomplishments. And this has been a really a life achievement for me to have this show. So I appreciate you listening. I know you'll get a lot out of it. And uh, let's jump right into it. My father, Randy S. Adams. Let's get started. <laughs> Welcome back to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. I'm Brennan T. Adams, and on today's show, 
I have the one and only Randy S. Adams. How's it going, Dad? Doing fine, son. Thank you for asking. You know, I've been wanting to do this show for a long time. Actually, I was hoping to have it done by Father's Day, and I travel a lot, and I uh, didn't really make it back. Actually, we're just talking here. Last time I was back was 4th of July, and it's, what, August 29th? Yeah, about 60 days you've been gone. <laughs> yeah, I've been gone for a while. And Dad's been working the ice business, and uh, we talk about it every day, but uh, it's been a while since my back. But I wanted to do this show. I've been wanting to do it for a long time. And some of the questions I ask are actually come from Brennan Bruchard. He said 33 questions you ask your father while he's alive. Well, you're going to be alive for a long time, Dad. Well, but let's hope so. <laughs> these, yeah. these are questions. I took some from that and things I want to ask for myself because everything I do, as you know, everything I talk about in the show, I do because of my father. And I, I want to make him proud, but also he's – taught me everything I know at a young age. So I want to jump into it, Dad. Some of these questions are just new ones that I I found online. But uh, uh, the first one I want you to start off with, what do you think of, uh, what comes to your mind when you think about growing up in your hometown? When you grew up as a kid, what kind of comes to your mind, big things in your life? When I grew up, you have to realize that I I was born in 59, but uh, when I was younger, we lived in... uh, a small river town of Clayton, there was like 159, 160 people. And back then, uh, nobody had any money. Everybody lived, I wouldn't say poor, but from day to day. I mean, everybody struggled back then. There was... Uh, I mean, you, you gave sometimes that money for lunch money. No, no, no. I had to borrow lunch money from uh, mm. my buddy to... Uh, get a school lunch and that was 50 cents a day but uh and it wasn't my dad's fault either my dad was the hardest working person i ever knew uh he had some medical problems and uh you know the 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 funds weren't there now when you were younger i mean obviously grandpa and that's why i grew up like you guys trapped a lot so trapping i mean what are some of the things like dad did grandpa did uh to support the family for in business well, he, he was a switchman on the railroad for 20 years for Milwaukee Line back then. And uh, what I remember is that uh, he got laid off, and he had a bad back. He commercial fished, uh, he trapped, he jing-sang hunt, and uh, he did anything to make a buck to buy the groceries. And then I kind of feel like I was a hardship on him, too. I had a hip disease at five and I was on crutches for five years, and they had to take me to Mayo Clinic in Rochester uh, to get my hip fixed. And that was a hardship just driving back and forth. Uh, they, they didn't actually did they didn't think you were going to be able to walk. Did no, they? they never thought I'd walk again. But I proved them wrong. I I had uh, like Berthy's disease on one hip for three years, and uh, I kept falling down. How they noticed it, and uh, at five. And I went up to the Mayo Clinic, and uh, I'll never forget the doctor's name, Dr. Mills. And Mom and Dad were, you know, barely had enough money for the gas to get up there and worried about the money. And Dr. Mills says, you don't worry about it. Uh, Mayo Clinic will take care of this. And, I mean, there was no cost to them. And what a relief. How old were you? So when, because you actually, obviously, you walked again to start ice business, but what uh, what age was it when you got off crutches? I got off crutches at 10 years. So, 10 years old? Yeah. 
yeah, I didn't learn how to ride a bike till I was 11. But I had leg perthies on one hip and at five, and I got off crutches, and I'll never forget about it. And, and it was just a joyous thing. And I come home, I was on crutches for three years. And I come home, and I says, I'm off these damn crutches. I threw them away, and I started going around, but I kept falling down. Yeah. And uh, so they took me up for the next appointment. And I'm sitting in that doctor's office at eight years old, and they took hip x-rays. And the doctor says, boy, this is the first case in the Mayo Clinic. You have leg perthes disease on your other hip, so you're going to have to go back on crutches. So I had to go back on crutches for another two years. So I was on crutches from a total of five years from five to ten. So then... After that, though, I mean... After that, fine. <clears throat> you know, they told me I'd have to replace my hip at 40 years old. So what was that like? I'm 56 <clears throat> years old. I proved them wrong. <laughs> yeah. you know, so, I got a lot of pain, you know, but, you know, I, it's bearable. Well, so what's that like? Because I... So I relate to when I was a kid, and I say this on my podcast show, I remember when you guys put me through speech therapy. I mean, I had a speech impediment, which was hard for me, and I overcame it. But for you, I mean, what was it like to go from not being able to walk to be able to walk, what was that feeling like? I had to learn to walk over again. I didn't know how to walk. I was on crutches for so long. I mean, I what was the feeling once you were able to? Like Overwhelming. I mean, geez, I couldn't wait to get home. I wanted to show my big brother that I could walk. I could do this. <laughs> so, <And>, Gary? <laughs> oh, man. It was, it was the most awesome feeling in the world. But, uh, you know, but it was always in the back of my mind after that second episode where I had to go back on crutches that... Well, maybe this is a false high. Take it. Maybe I'll have to go back on crutches again, but uh, I never did. Thank God. So when you got to, so you get into high school, and by ten you were walking. Was it ten? Ten. Ten years old. So yeah. going through high school, what's like the number one thing you think of? And I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Some of this trapping and hunting. But like, what are the main things, memories you remember in high school? Oh, high school. <clears throat> uh, I. I always worked. I, I milk cows in the morning before school, and I milk cows and after school. And uh, I I love sports, but I, I wasn't able to go out for them. So yeah. I'd go to the basketball games and support them. <clears throat> I guess one of my uh, favorite memories of high school was that uh, I supported uh, the high school basketball team, and uh, I was there a lot for them. And they had a slave auction back then to raise money for the athletics. And uh, I donated myself to the slave auction. And uh, a guy bought me. And uh, I think back then it was $5 an hour. And I worked eight hours. So I donated $40 to the slave auction. But uh, the boys team got to go to state that year. But they couldn't play. But they're eligible to go. And the whole team members said one guy couldn't go for some ungodly reasons. I don't know why. So they had another spot, and they wanted to pick somebody to go, and they said, Randy Adams needs to go. And, uh, well, he's not out for sports. Well, yes, he is. He was at every game. He supported us. He went to the slave auction. And, actually, he is our teammate. <laughs> so I, I got to go to Des Moines, and that was a big deal for me. I never you went to traveled Des Moines anywhere. and they did the state? State with the boys' basketball team, and they got it approved through the principal, and the coach even approved it and said, no, he's a great supporter, and we want him here. So what year was that? That was in 19... Uh, I graduated in 78. That would have been my uh, sophomore year. Yeah. Wow. 
So that was quite an honor With for Steve me. Steve Bernhardt and Steve Bernhardt mm. and uh, you had Terry Walker and uh, a bunch of different guys there that uh, rallied around me actually. And but the the biggest uh, was uh, Tom Crandall, the guidance counselor, knew, and uh, it was just. Which he, I remember it was having an honor. him. I remember having yeah, Tom. It was he just you know Huntress. Yeah, it was just an honor. <laughs> you know that's that, awesome. The, because in kind of all at that time, if you weren't out for sports, you weren't out. You weren't shit. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know, I'm you got just, to be a part of that. I just farm boy, so they kind of took me under the wing that way. So, so. <clears throat> you got done with high school, and you briefly went to college. And I always joke about this because I'm the only person in the family that didn't go to uh, Kirkwood. Yeah, there you go. So let's let's talk about your experience when you first got out of school and went to Kirkwood briefly. And yeah, I, I graduated that, in 78, and then uh, I worked a year for construction, for Welch Construction, and uh, it wasn't even quite a year. It was about nine months, and uh, we were doing uh, putting a new uh, water line through Al-Qaeda, and then we did septic tanks and everything else. It was all bulwark. I mean, you're in the trench and working it. I'll never forget, uh, Ralph Welch told me, he says, Randy, he says, the only two things you got to remember in this business, he says, shit runs downhill and paydays on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I went to work for them and they just loved me. And, but I worked my ass off. I was hungry. And, and like I said, mom and dad couldn't help and support me. And I wanted to go to college. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I wanted to go to college. I wanted to get a trade. I wanted to better myself. And after working a year of construction, I knew I didn't want to do construction work. So I decided to go for small business management. So I enrolled myself in Kirkwood Community College and uh, moved to Cedar Rapids. And uh, one of my jobs when I was younger, I worked at Paradise Valley Campground. And I met some nice people that... uh, had money and had campers. And when I worked at Paradise, I mean, I cleaned toilets and I dumped the garbage and I did this. Yeah, but shit work, yeah. I made some good relationships there. And uh, so I lined up a job with one of the campers that had a truck line that I could go to Kirkwood College and I could clean the shop in the morning yep. for a couple hours and I could clean the shop in the afternoon for a couple hours and make some extra money and that helped pay, pay the for way. college. So, how long were you there? Because I know Grandpa, he you had to leave. Nine months. I was at Kirkwood Community College nine months, and Dad called me and says, you got to come back to the farm. I just bought a farm. So, he bought, and this was the Mueller farm at the time? Which farm was it? No, it was a Johnson farm. So, the Johnson farm. So, you had to go back to yep. go farm. Yep, go farm. And at that time, were you, what were you feeling? Because, I mean, were you mad that you had to go, but it really had a No, choice? I was pissed off, but in the same in the same breath, I wanted to come home. I was in love with your mother, and I missed her because I drove back a couple days a week this to year. see her. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, I didn't... I didn't feel farming was the way to go, but Dad's back was bad, and he needed help, and... And that was a time, too, you got to realize in the 80s, interest was 20, 22%. I mean, a lot of businesses were failing, and farming wasn't a good thing to get in. And I think Dad missed me, and that's why he bought the farm. He wanted me home because we we had such a unique relationship. We were so close together. We did everything together. But I thought, oh, Dad, don't buy that damn farm. You did already. And, well, quick college, come back. Well, 
And what was your revenue? Well, like, what what did you guys do for like? Were you, you, you milking cows? What were all no? I wanted to milk cows. We never had the money to set the system up. I, in fact, I went to production credit and tried to borrow. Had a business plan, of course. You know, it wasn't much of a business plan. I needed one hundred fifty thousand dollars, <laughs> <laughs> thirty thousand for the barn to remodel that to get into milking, and one hundred and twenty for the cows. And uh, they more or less laughed me right out of. Uh, the, the production credit bank because all these big farms were failing at the time because of the interest rate. So what when you guys farmed, what were what did you guys do for that time and how long did you farm? Because I know you end up selling it. So what Yeah, I farmed we farmed for uh two years there and struggled. My wife worked got married and my wife worked at the bank. I worked two different jobs for diff, different farmers trying to make ends meet and then tried to farm the farm and uh Realize, hey, this isn't working, and uh, I'll never forget it because I had about sixty days to come up with twelve thousand dollars, and twelve thousand back then would be like one hundred and twenty thousand now, and I had to come up with twelve thousand. I couldn't come up with the twelve thousand. I said to my dad, "What do we do?" He said, "Oh, don't worry about everything working." I said, "No, Dad, we got to start worrying about it." I said, "I don't have enough money to fill the LP tank up." To heat the house. I says, I'm working two jobs. I says, I'm just married. Uh, my wife's working a job at the bank. And I says, we don't have enough money to buy groceries. So I contacted a realtor. And I says, we need to sell this. And a day before I defaulted on the contract, I sold the farm. Which made me so proud. Because my dad was always proud. Mm-hmm. I had enough money to pay to pay it and get pay out. it off and bail out, and I didn't know anybody anything, so I had to start back over. So when you got to that point, you you paid it off, and this kind of dives into your entrepreneur endeavor. So what are some of the jobs like? What did you do after that that led to you? Because I mean, we're gonna lead into how it got into the ice business, but what did you do right after that? For I was scared shitless. <clears throat> I was scared shitless. I didn't know what to do. Becky, you know what the fuck you're Becky do. still had her job. Yeah, I was. I I just uh, I got a brainstorm here. Did were we born? Wait, I wasn't. But no, what? Nick. Yeah, yeah, Nick was born. And uh, so I decided. Uh, I went down to the Clayton Elevator and was going to apply to work on the barge down there to load grain in the Clayton Elevator. Yep. And uh, oh, they're busy. There's trucks lined up over the hill. And, I mean, they were having 150, 200 semis a day going through that grain elevator. And I'm sitting there, and I'm waiting, and everybody's busy for the interview. And uh, I started talking to these, and I like to talk, but I was talking to these semi-drivers. Say, oh, boy, who's going to run town and get 10 cheeseburgers? We're hungry. And the other guy says, well, I did it yesterday, and I don't want to walk three quarters of a mile and come back and I didn't get paid from the other guys when I brought them back and I got thinking about that they have no food down here I got a captive crowd they're sitting in line three hours to unload a semi yeah I didn't even walk in to do the interview I turned around and walked out <laughs> and I says I'm going to get some food down here somehow so you started the lunch wagon so I started a lunch wagon. I bought a school bus for $500, put a little petition in it. I found an old grill, used grill, for $50. I 
I found a used refrigerator for $25, and I started a lunch wagon. I went to the grocery store and bought $100 worth of groceries. I went down and talked to Patterson's. Not a problem. Boy, this would be an asset. We'll pay the electricity. So I had that bartered in. Yep. I moved the bus in, opened up the door. The <clears> first day, I took in $250. <laughs> paid I could have took $500 in, but I didn't have enough money to stock the groceries for the first day. Oh, Run to town, took everything I got, and doubled the amount of groceries I bought. The next day, I took in $500. And that went on and on and on. I did that for about a year and a half. And then our good old President Jimmy Carter put a grain embargo on with Russia. And we went from 200 trucks a day to seven. So it completely killed the business. Nothing there. Wake up one morning, feast of famine. Wake up one morning, and you got seven trucks coming down the hill. What did you learn from that whole business experience, especially in the food industry? For It's funny because I've interviewed somebody that did food trucks before. What did you learn from that business? It's a tough business, but boy, uh, it's a fun business. It's always been my passion. Okay. I wouldn't mind even uh, retiring doing something like that. You meet so many different people. And 99.9% of them are nice. For instance, I met uh, this gentleman. He had five semis. His name was Danny Hillman. He passed away now. got killed in a semi. He was diabetic. Come up to me and he says, Randy, he says, I got five semis. He says, I'm going to eat here every day. He says, sometimes twice, sometimes three times. And I'm going to tell my drivers if I see them eat anywhere else, they're fired. <laughs> he says we appreciate you but he says sometimes in the middle of the night my blood sugar goes low and I need something to eat he says could I have a key to your place that's I says well Danny I says I'll tell you what you've been a good customer and uh, as soon as I can get to town and get another key made you can have a key so I stocked chocolate bars and everything uh, Hershey he syrup yeah. everything he needed that's awesome uh, that man was the nicest man in the whole world. I got to know his kids. I got to know his wife. And to this day, I got invited after he passed away to his kids' graduation. I mean, I, I'm a better person by knowing him. So it's, I would say, in the, 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 the business you had, you learned and made good connections with people and the friendships you had. Oh, that's what it's all about is the connections you make in life. I mean, it's not the money you make. It's the connections and and the enjoyment you get out of the people. Uh, Let's face it. You're going to have some bad experience in business. Everybody does. But don't let the 1% ruin the 99% of people that are great. You know. So after the the food, which the lunch wagon... I mean, it's just interesting that you were in that business. What was the next thing? What did you do after seven trucks came down and you, you didn't have a business overnight? I said, oh, shit, I got to do something else. Then what? What happened? So I went, I went uptown, and uh, there was two restaurants in town. So I applied for a job. And what year is this? At uh, that time? We're talking... Early 80s? 83, probably. Okay. And... Uh, I went uptown and applied for a, a job at the restaurant. And uh, it was Clayton Lighthouse. And uh, I went in there, yeah, I got a cooking job open. So I started cooking. And uh, so 
I cooked there, and then I bartended when he had a slack day, and I went across the street, and I bartended at Bill's Boat Landing. And uh, I was there one night, and I did that for about nine months. And uh, Jim Mason and his wife Jan come down, they're delivering ice to the outside freezer. And I knew Jim years ago because his dad worked with my dad on the railroad, and I went coon hunting with him a couple times. And Jim says, what are you doing bartending down here? And I said, well, Jimmy Carter kind of ruined my business. <laughs> and uh, he says, well, he says, I just started a nice business, and I want to expand. And he says, but I can't find no decent help. And he says, if you're interested, give me a call sometime. Well, I got thinking about it the next morning. I called him. And this was in the fall of the year. And I called him. He says, well, I don't got many hours right now. And he says, uh, could you... Uh, come up and ride with me one day. And I, yeah, I'd be happy to. So I went and rode with him. And uh, I thought, boy, that's a boring business. <laughs> you know? Selling ice. Selling ice, you're going to, he had like 16 accounts. <clears throat> and I says, boy, how am I going to keep busy doing this? You yeah. know? So he worked me uh, one day a week, and he says, well, I'd like you to work for me full time next summer. And, uh, I says, well, I'll see what's going on. And uh, I evidently uh, went to work for him the whole time. But uh, I said to him, I says, you can't survive on this. I says, I got to start hustling some cows. So you you started out, and what was he a year in? How how long was he in the business at that time? A year when, and a half, but he didn't want to expand. He didn't want to go any further than seven miles. Because he, he was, was he was already doing real estate and other things. No, he he was working a three M full time, and this was just like a part time thing hobby, for him. You know, a little cash. Uh, on the so side. you so you had the opportunity that summer to find new accounts to yeah. go forward. So tell me what that was like. I'm curious, and this is I mean we've talked about this before, obviously. Um, what was that summer like? Hustling, getting new accounts. What did you do? Biggest thrill of my life. That's what I love. Then I realized I want to sell. Yeah. I was very fortunate at the time because he just let go of the reins. He says, if you want more hours, you got to find more business. And uh, so he, I mean, he let you loose and you went. Yeah, yeah. So we got one, one little truck that had a slip in freezer box on an old Chevy pickup and uh, I went out and I picked up 45 accounts the first month 45 accounts the first month what did what did you do to I get took them? them from the competition in Dubuque Iowa and I did from Dave Creek yeah oh, it was a rush <laughs> it was the biggest rush of my life so what did, what did you do to get them why did they want to go to you how old were you at the time I was uh 27 27 yeah 27 so, yeah. So how did they, where I'm at? I'm how, 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 how did they go with me? Yeah, why did they go with you? I'd knock on a door and ask them how their ice service was. And they said, oh, yeah, well, we're kind of happy. And then uh, the husband or the wife would come out. Happy shit, we've been out of ice for two days. He's the only guy around. And I'd say, well, I can do this, I can do that. And they would switch right now. Other ones were harder to get, the chains. Yep. You know, I wasn't giving free TVs away, that's for sure. Well, yeah, you know. I that. And, uh, but, uh, you know, once I broke into an area, my philosophy was, if I could blow a hole in the route, 
If I could go and get two out of this town, go down to the next town and get two, and go to the next town and get two, and give them good service, then I'll get the majority get of the, the other majority. ones because the word spreads. Yeah, I mean, word of mouth is the best for business. Oh, yeah. Do them a good job. They're going to be happy. So you got these counts. So at that time, were was Jim Mason's business... It will. It was buying ice from Mason City. Mason City. Ice. So they they supplied the the merchandisers. Yep. For you to go through. Yep. Which Chuck Smith was working for that company. Oh sure. Time. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Chuck. Chuck just started working for him. So you go into that summer. You got them accounts. When was it when you you basically gave him the ultimatum for what you were doing? Well, I was working about. I had 110 hours in that one week, and. Uh, I put on my time card, and that was at $5 an hour. That was in May after a Memorial Day weekend. And I says, oh, I got a sore back. And Jim's wife taped an aspirin to my paycheck. Taped an aspirin? Yeah, to my paycheck. And she said, this is for your sore back. <laughs> I mean, there was no extra money yeah. <laughs> or nothing. And I thought to myself, you know... I'm never going to get ahead because even with $110 hours at $5 an hour, I'm going to always be broke. And I saw my check with all the taxes taken out. Yeah. And he didn't even pay overtime at that time. I mean, it oh, was... Oh, wow. You it was, get overtime. It was straight time. <laughs> you know? And, Our guy's got to be. <laughs> well, I thought to myself, Randy, you got to do something different. So, I went to Jim and Jan the next morning and I told Jim and Jan, I said, Jim... I says, uh, if I'm going to continue working this hard, I want a piece of the pie. Yeah. I want to own part of the business. Well, we don't know, you know, if we want to do that and this and that. And I says, well, I'm going to give you a month to decide. So a month went on, and they kept pushing me more and more and more. And I never had any help. And I was doing everything. I was get back. Running the business. Running the business. And which is fine. That's what I got hired on to do. You know, you you know, I agreed at $5 an hour, and so I shouldn't be bitching, but uh, I wanted I wanted to own my own business. So I uh, was talking to a buddy of mine, Bruce Meyer at the time, and was telling him, and he was a single bachelor towboat pilot. He says, Randy, he says, there's a marina in Buena Vista for sale. He says, for 110000 Buena Vista. Buena oh, Vista. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And he says, uh, I'll tell you what, I like your work ethic. He says, I got enough money. He says, I'll go and buy it. You run it. Within three years, we show a profit. I'll give you 50% equity. Smart. I says, Bruce, I'd love to do it. Let's go and look at it. So we went to look at it, and I come home that night, and Becky come home from work, and I says, uh, Becky, I says, I think I'm going to quit Jim Mason. I says, uh, Bruce Meyer's going to fund a marina in Buena Vista. I'm not moving to Buena Vista. <laughs> Which, Buena Vista is way out there. Yeah. So, I says, okay. I says, well, either I'm going to do this or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to own my own business. So, I went back to work the next morning, Jim Mason. I said, Jim, I says, I'll give you a, I'll give you a two-week notice. I put a chance to buy a marina in Buena Vista. Said, what do you mean? You're going to quit? And I said, yeah, I'm going to quit. And I said, I'm going to buy that marina. I got a guy. Where are you going to get the money, he said. 
I said, I got a guy that's going to finance me. He said, okay. He said, you're going to work two weeks, right? And I said, yeah, I'm going to work two weeks, Jim. I won't lay you down. And I could probably even work longer. If you need Until you get somebody. Yeah. I said, I'm not going to leave you hanging. He called me back that night. And he says, well, you just bought yourself a nice business. Right away. What? So what was that? What was the deal that you made with him then? At that time, he was going to sell you the business? Sell me the business eventually, but eventually never come up. (laughs) He wouldn't even talk about it until I had this other deal going on another piece of property and a business. So let's go through that because I'm curious for me personally to know. So you, he said he was going to sell you the ice business. You're working with him. What were the next steps? Well, the next steps is what I had to do is I had to drive to Mason City and make sure the contract's good in my name. Then I could buy ice from them. And who who was the owner at that time in uh, Mason? Topeki's Burton. Topeki. Burton and Barb Topeki. Okay. And uh, I had to. And go, Chuck worked for them, right? right? For quite a few years. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they were very good people. Uh, Burton was in a business that he hated. His dad started it, and he hated it. And then he got his son in it, and his son even hated it worse than his dad. And the, there is a good story right there alone. Never force somebody in a business that they're passionate in there or their love because nothing's good can come out of it. It doesn't matter how much you know, that, that all went by the wayside. The kid, he he tried his best, but he hated it. And you can't blame the kid. And he got out and hurt the dad's feelings, and all of a sudden he wanted out. He hated his entire life, too. But what I don't understand about the whole situation is if the father hated the business he got from his dad, why did he force his son in to get it? into it? You know, I mean, that, uh, misery loves company. I guess I don't know. So, and I, so I, I signed the contract with Topeki's, and uh, which I, I actually seen. Yeah, <laughs> the whole contract. Yeah, but in. went over and yeah. and bought the equipment out and took over. Yeah, took over. And w- that was in what nineteen eighty five, eighty seven, eighty seven. Yep. That was in 1987. So you got into the ice business working for Jim Mason. What year? 85. So in 85, you started working for him. In the fall, 85. two years later, after working your ass off. A year and a half. You bought the company out. Yep. What changes after buying the company out? Because this is is cool to see because after me buying from you and the transition. So what changes do you see after you bought from him? What did you do? Because you, you let loose, I imagine. It's your company now. Right. Well, he was working out of a reefer trailer. The first thing I did is I went to city council in Garnavello, and uh, I approached them. And he says, uh, I'm driving to Marquette every day, working out of a reefer and delivering ice. And uh, I says, I need to buy a piece of land here, and I don't see nothing, but you advertise an industrial park. So I went to the city of Garnavello and petitioned the council, and they sold me three acres of land for $5,000. Wow, <laughs> that's and, at the time, yeah. Which is fine, but the you got to realize it, we it, it was just weeds. It just weeds. Yeah, where the warehouse is now. Right, yeah. So, and they took it under discussion and everything else, but with the stipulation, there's got to be a road to it. <laughs> you know, no, there wasn't even a road there. Yeah. So, at that time, before you bought that land, where was the ice being stored? Was that in Marquette? In Marquette, and get shipped on reefers. Shipped yeah. on reefers, and they yep. drop the reefers. Cement and pads, go, yep. And that's, oh, the casino's there now. Yeah. So you you bought the land in Garnavillo, 
bought the land in Gardnervillo, and then and I run reefer units. I had two reefer units. They drop one unit and pick up another one, and I did that for. And a these year. are semi trailers. Yep, forty eight footers. Yep, forty eight footers. Hold twenty pallets. So you would transport the ice from the reefer to your truck and deliver out of that. And deliver out of that, and then. Uh, what went, year did you go to build the warehouse? In eighty nine. So 89... 89, I had a good year in 88, and uh, I showed the bank that I I repaid the original loan back, Mm -hmm. and then they borrowed me some more money, and I put up a building. That's the same year. We had a good year in 88. Uh, That's the same year I bought the 85 acres of timber. 88, you bought the 85 acres of timber, which now... I mean, we're just sitting here. Actually, you gave me a check for 2,000 bucks because the land that I had bought... uh, got some trees off and you got some trees off of this and just a quick little side note what the value of that land and 88 what did you buy per acre for this land i bought uh, 85 acres of land for 350 dollars an acre 350 dollars an acre in 88 and the value of this land now because of my brief real estate experience you could sell this land for five thousand dollars an acre easy and you got a cabin and you got the exp- i mean you won't sell it I won't lay. <laughs> no. you, you don't realize back then, Brandon. Uh, when I bought this, I bought the ice business one year. My yeah. dad says, you're the dumbest son of a bitch I ever raised in my life. And the next year I bought the timber. He says, you paid $350 an acre for timber? Are you completely insane? What's going on with you? And now looking back. I just back- sold a few walnuts here the other day. And uh, I was doing some figures. So do the math. Is but that, inflation made So me what money. you sold the walnuts probably paid, I don't know, what is the math, a 30... I, I, well, I, so I, what was the total amount? $300 an acre? A two? $29,750. And at this point, of, <laughs> this point of time, I've took $140,000 worth of timber off this 85 acres. So talk today, about investment. Year to date. And I still have $100,000 worth of timber. I could take it off. And even if I took that off, it'd still be worth $3,500 an acre. But that's not foresight. I didn't foresee that. No. I wanted this timber. I'll tell you why I wanted this timber is because when I sold the farm when I was younger that we were talking about, yeah. my dad offered me to buy his farm. I said, Dad, we just sold one I couldn't afford. How can I buy yours? Well, he says, I need money. i got to retire. Yeah. And he sold it to the neighbor. And I said to myself, someday I'm going to own a piece of land that's mine. And you bought it. And that was my drive. You bought that, which is a great investment. And it's going to lead to the next thing to talk to later. But, but how did I buy this timber? I'll tell you how I bought this timber. When I was 15, 16, 17 years old, Roy Thomas lived across a mile away from us. And what did I do? He had a farm, and he had called me, Hey, can you help me, Randy, feed the cows? I was the first one in the area to have four-wheel drive pickup because I was working all the time. When we had two foot of snow, he had a two-wheel drive with chains on. He'd get stuck. I'd go and feed his cows. Wife and I were at the fair, and I sat on a park bench. I didn't want to go to the Clayton County Fair that <laughs> night. That's the last thing I did after working all day in an yeah. ice truck. And I see Roy Thomas walking across the fairgrounds. I says, hey, Roy, how you doing? Well, not so good, Randy. And I says, what's, what's up, Roy? I haven't seen you for a long time. He says, well, he says, I just got out of the hospital, and they told me I'm going to die in six months. Wow. 
boy, that's a shit sandwich. <laughs> you know, and I haven't seen Ryan. I kind of felt guilty that I haven't kept much contact with him in the last year. Yeah. And I said, geez, Ryan. And he says, Randy, he says, you always said you wanted that 85 own back there. Are you still interested in that? I says, Roy, I'd love to have that. And he says, well, I need some money for my wife. He says, uh, I'd like to sell you that 85. And I says, you come up with a price and you tell me. So you, you bought it from him then? And I bought it from him the next day. Wow. But would I have got that connection if I wasn't raised on that farm? He was a mile away helping him with chores. It's no, a, it's I don't a, think I would have had that connection. I think it's the seeds he planted early on. They got to that, and it's obviously you do good things for people, it comes back around. Well, and that's a seed I think that people need to do anything they do in life, live their life passionately, but do it with the full intent that you don't want nothing back. You know, uh, let's not snow somebody or buffalo them. If your heart's in there, the other people know your heart's there too. Exactly. And they the will genuine. go to bat for you, mm-hmm. and they will they will do a hundred percent for you down the road. So. so, in '89, you had a good year, and that was the year I was born. What a great year! Oh, uh, I was a, a ta- tax reduction. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> December thirty first. Yes, yeah. tax reduction. So, in the them years of business, what would be some big things you learned? Because I I'm gonna after you tell talk about that, I'm gonna lead into. I mean, just how I really love the business. Yeah. What did you learn in business, being in the ice business for the years? The top things that come to mind that you learn. Uh, boy, I learned so much. But uh, I learned that you can't do it all. You got to delegate authority. Yep. And I went through some growing pains. And I was a hard one to delegate authority. And I learned another thing, too. You pay peanuts, you hire monkeys. <laughs> And uh, you gotta you gotta watch the people that they're down in. If you can't find somebody that's as good as you, then forget it. You might as well do it yourself. But uh, but you need people to grow, and uh, you gotta put some trust in people and stick your neck out. And it's hard sometimes. Oh, it's tough because that's your baby. You know mm-hmm. that that's what you groomed and. Uh, grew it's like a tree you plant in the woods you prune it and you get it ready and you know when it, when it's ready to harvest you cut it but uh you want everybody to have the the same ideas in your head you want your tr- customers to be number one so what do you think in the business because i mean you from beginning to end i mean started with like 16 accounts went to over 100 accounts successful business what do you think was your why did you become so successful in that business? What did you do right? Like, what are the things you think you did over that career some from 86 through the 2000s? Like, what did you do to make that business the business it was? I traded people the way that I wanted to be treated. And when I gave somebody my word, I honored it. So when I promised somebody something... <clears throat> If I was going to be there at 10 o'clock, I was there at 10 o'clock. Or if they're going to have a special event, they're going to have the equipment there. And there's nights that I promise stuff to people that I was up all night the night before to make sure they got it. Because, yeah, breakdowns, a truck breaks yeah. down. You don't have extra trucks because you don't got the money to have the extra trucks. I mean, you just worked, worked around it to get it done. Whatever it took. But when I... 
I did a handshake or a promise, it was going to be done. What are some of the biggest things, the struggles you had in that business that you learned from in during that career from 86 to let's say 2014 when I bought the business out? What are some of the biggest struggles in the business that you had that you overcame? Uh, my dad died in 98 and uh, dad and I were really close and I... I don't know what it was. Something clicked with me where I really didn't care for a little bit. Yeah. And thank God that I got over that because it got to the point. I was running back and forth to Iowa City and seeing him and trying to run the business. And it got to the point where I just really didn't give a shit. Then finally, I guess I call it, I had a come to Jesus talk with myself. Yeah. Hey, this ain't the way to go. This is not doing anybody any good. I got to, you know, snap out of this because uh, I'm going to lose it. And uh, I don't know. I got regenerated then. So you got out of that? Got out of that mode. And it's easy to get in that mode. And uh, misery loves company, you know. And, then, you know, you talk to somebody else. Oh, I'm having a hard time. So I I kind of got myself to the position where I... I uh, Disconnected myself from people that were negative, yeah, and then went to positive people, and it made a world of difference. It is all who you, I preach all the time. You are who you surround yourself with. So, so <clears throat> what? And this is one thing. So, Grandpa, I wish I would have got to know him more. Um, what What did you learn from Dad? Because you had a close connection. I have a close connection with you. What are the big things you learned from Grandpa? Everything he did because he worked his ass off for you guys and built the foundation. Ah. Uh, Boy, my dad, <laughs> he was an icon, but boy, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, I don't want to put him on a pedestal because, uh, boy, he could be a son of a bitch, too. Uh, you know, he, to this day, he taught my brother and I to be so freaking competitive, but I mean, you know, we were just... In what ways? Oh, and everything, everything we did, you know, we competed back and forth, and he'd pat the one that... You know, landed on top. You know, so he had you compete all the time. Oh yeah, but uh, it was yeah. like what? 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 What was it that? Well, it didn't matter what we did if we were if we were trapping or if we were fishing or if, uh, if we were hunting. You know, uh, that's one that got his attention. But uh, uh, I guess my dad was uh, well, the smartest person I ever met <clears throat> in my entire life. Dad worked hard. But dad didn't work smart. Dad did not delegate authority. Dad could have been, a, as hard as he worked, could have been a very rich man. But dad was so rich in so many other ways. He did everything he ever wanted to in life. For instance, uh, I buried his brother. Dixon was attorney in Omaha. And uh, I went to Dixon after dad died, and Dixon was dying. And I sat in his downstairs house along the golf course with his Mercedes in the garage and his wife's Lincoln Navigator and everything they had. And I said to Dixon, I says, he says, you know, he says, your dad was a smart one. I said, what do you mean by that, Dixon? He did what he loved. He says, what I've done, I had to do, but I never loved what I have done. Wow. That's... And 
That was such a mouthful of words to me. I couldn't sleep that night trying to comprehend that. I was trying to think about what he said. What it was, my dad lived his life the way he wanted to. Dixon lived his life the way his lifestyle wanted him to be. For the financial. So in reality, and this is how I look at this, and this is a good point because I preach this. Dixon was a millionaire. Multi-millionaire. And Grandpa, Stan, was not a millionaire, but he lived a life that was well more worth a millionaire. In my dad's eyes, dad was a in dad's eyes he was, he was a millionaire. The happiest guy. Oh, the happiest and guy in the whole world. Not all forms of wealth. And yeah. some people, I yeah. believe, and as you know, I've done the wrong things too. Some people. Oh, we at, all. Have. Yeah, but yeah. you got to learn what makes actually makes. You know, you happy. that could be a whole different show on the mistakes <laughs> I made in my yeah. life. But uh, I'll never forget when when dad was dying. Dad never said I love you, and I I, I didn't quite understand that. And the night Dad died, he grabbed my hand. I was up all night with him. And he said, Randy, I love you. Randy, I love you. And he squeezed my hand. And all the pain he was going through and he was dying, he was more concerned about me staying up for 24 hours with him. And he knew I couldn't keep my eyes open. He said, you go and lay down. But he said, Randy, I want you to know I love you. But that's the only time Dad said he loved me. It was his end. His end. And that's when I made up my mind that I would tell my children I love them every time I talk to them. But you do. And, but it was a hard thing for him to do. But he, before he died, he overcame. So, and this is, I'm seeing this trend. I'm looking, Grandpa, <clears throat> I'm thankful for what he's done because it led to credit you and everything. And I say it with everything I go where yeah. I speak. You heard a young intervention. I say that... The reason I am because I am because of you. So what, when you had us, <clears throat> when you had me too, what was it you made up in your mind that you wanted to, our, us kids to learn and know when we grew up? Because you obviously, you, you created great kids. We all are great, successful. Everybody's doing good. Everybody's very proud doing of that. very well. Yeah. So what, what did you make up in your mind as a father that you were going to make sure you pound into our heads as kids to become, when we grew up, to be good people? Well, I didn't enable you kids at all. I made you work for everything you guys exactly. got. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you worked in the ice or if you worked around the yard, I rewarded you. But I wasn't going to give you nothing. Because Thank I've you. seen so <laughs> well, I've seen so many people that got everything and didn't appreciate it and uh I mean, and <clears throat> they're still to this day at my age waiting for a handout. And uh but I rewarded you when you did good. I mean, you didn't go without anything. No. You worked for your car. Uh, I mean, you got a car. You, hey, yeah, you wrecked a car. Well, all kids wreck cars. You yeah. know, I wrecked cars. But, uh, you know, that was the sacrifice I made. I made you work. And the, the thing I take away from it, <clears throat> and I'm glad you did because I, I almost feel bad for people that inherit a bunch of money and they have things handed to them because it really screws up their appreciation for work ethic and what they get. I remember when I was 15 years old, so my whole life, <clears throat> working with you in the ice, everything I love, I remember in kindergarten, drawing a picture of the ice truck and say, I'm gonna buy the business someday, I work with you, always wanna do that. My first smart decision <laughs> when I was 15 is when you told me, you said, Brandon, 
do you want to buy this nice vehicle? Is that Eunice's liquor? It was a t like $10,000 vehicle for the subwoofer and everything. Or do you want to buy this land? You have no idea how hard that was at the time to say no to the vehicle. Oh, definitely. Yeah. That was one of the hardest things. But I'm thankful that you gave the opportunity because I ended up buying a piece of shit $1,500 uh, Ford Explorer called Green Dragon. And instead got the land and then bought more land. And now today the investment of that land has doubled in value. Has helped me be able to leverage to buy other things. Well, definitely the equity in it. And yeah. now I'm sitting here with a check for $2,000 from logs that... For a few shit trees. <laughs> that now I think about it, that $1,500 vehicle that crashed and burned, whatever, there's 2000 back. But that was a good one of the first great investments I did as a kid. That was the value, obviously, I learned from you. And then moving forward, college, obviously, I had my struggles. As you know, I won't tell all the stories, but you know most of them. But uh, and then I graduated and went into business with you. So here's one thing. A lot of people listening, some people thinking about going to business with their family. Um, what are some things you think we've learned together when we decided to go into business together for the ice business? When we, I first graduated in 2012 when we were in business together, and it was you and I. And that was yet when I had bought it out. When you and I both, I had a percentage and I was working with you and we, I mean, we, we were going nonstop. Right. Yeah. But you were working hard. I was working hard. and We both were. Everything was clicking. Yeah. Yeah. But what do you think you learned from that experience? Or people can, if they're going to go to business with a family member, what, I guess, advice for people if they are in business with a family member? I mean, we've told each other fuck off a couple times oh definitely we had, <laughs> we had our ins and outs and yeah and this and that and everybody remember when you wanted to buy a new freezer and spend sixty thousand oh i want to spend a lot of money and yeah. i'm glad we did yeah. it I said, boy back off a little bit you know you're not gonna have a good year every year yeah but uh, uh i never had really a hard hard time with you uh you know the little things but uh because you worked hard yeah you know no if you didn't work hard i'd have a hell of a time because uh, it would be that would bother me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, my whole life, I believed in it. Like I said, yeah. I always wanted to buy it out. Yeah, and we worked together. I guess the the biggest thing, if you're going in business with a family member or a partnership or anything, get everything settled out ahead of time, and know what you need out of them. And don't come out later and say, well, I didn't agree with that or, you know, I don't want to do that. or And every, everything changes. You know, one day it could lead into something else. But uh, everybody has a good trait better than the other one. So dwell on the good traits. Let them do that part and do what you're good at. Exactly. For exactly. myself, I always hated book work. Jeez, I just hated book work. I'd rather be out with the people. <laughs> I hate it now, too. <laughs> you know, delegate authority. Yeah. So. so we did that in 2014 is when I bought the business out. And now I, I'm i so thankful for you because I'm traveling the country and so many things led to where I'm doing now that I would never expect it would be at that. And you're saving my life. For, well, not really. I'm, well, doing, I'm doing what I do, and I love what I'm you, doing. You're doing. You know, it. if I didn't love what I'm doing, I wouldn't be doing it. You know, I look back, and it's so cool to see it because you started in 1985. You started working on it, correct? It's 2016. How many? Do the math there. What is that? It'll be 30 years next year. 30 years, 
and this will be the best year, I think. Pat, it's done. The oh, business. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and we could have a flood year next <clears throat> year. We, we have <laughs> enough floods this year. It's a unique business. Yeah. It's cool to see where it's gone, and it's cool to now going back down memory lane to see how much I've developed because of you and what you've you've pounded in my head. What do you think the biggest things you've learned over the – I'm 26 years old in life with – ice business or with me as a child, I mean, there's some bad things I've done. What is your takeaways you think out of all this as an entrepreneur endeavors I've taken, the business has taken, what have you learned? What things come to you? Take nothing for granted and adapt to the changes. Uh, I mean, everything can be hunky-dory one day and the next day everything can go to hell in a handbasket. But you have to adapt with them, and don't take them to heart. Yeah, I mean you got to keep going on, and it's going to get better. And I'm not a very religious man, but I I, I trust in God. Yeah, I think good things happen to people that work hard. Um, it's not a a freebie life out there. Don't expect you're going to get a handout. You're going to have to earn it. You're going to have to prove yourself. So if you keep staying the course, good things are going to happen. That's really good advice. I uh, a few questions before we end here because I I mean we could talk forever obviously as we have beers, but what do you what do you think the the best decisions you've ever made in life? What do you think they have been? Marrying your mother. Marrying mom. Staying faithful to her all these years. Yeah. Being true to my vows. Uh, living the dream having dreams yeah if you don't have a dream you don't have goals you get kind of caught up in life yeah Uh, you gotta you gotta keep pushing yourself forward and looking forward tomorrow so what what are you most proud of in life so far or what would be your most like top three most positive moments of your life being faithful in my wife 37 years, September 27th. 27th. Yeah, 37 years. I mean, and still being in love. I mean, how many people can say that? Uh, there's a lot out there, but I mean... Yeah. You know, when I married your mother, I loved her. But I didn't know if I was in love. I loved her. It took a few years, and then I realized, geez, I love this woman. You know... How, how, this is one good thing you talk on, because as entrepreneurs, this is a tough life. I mean, I've certainly haven't really figured it out yet. Um, well, I'm 57, <laughs> I haven't figured it out. I mean, Amanda and Nick are both married, and they, they, they're not entrepreneurs, but they do their own business. They're, they're very successful. Yeah, they're happy. So, I hope they are. So we can really relate as entrepreneurs. How have you been able to keep such a good relationship with mom over the years because I mean you went through less I mean I've seen as a kid I've seen you working nonstop. Oh, all the shit you I, did how, how many times that we were going out to eat or at a family gathering when the phone rang I had to run and take care of business or I remember as a kid that I remember I'd want you to be somewhere but you couldn't because you're working no no so well, how were you able to maintain such a good relationship through all that, how has mom been able to deal with the entrepreneur she, lifestyle? She understood that everything I did was for the family, to better the family. 
So, uh, you know, and we always took time out for each other. Uh, in the off season, in the business, when we're working seven days a week. But uh, she understood what I was doing is to better the family, to have a better house, to have a better car. Uh, my biggest goal in my entire life is I wanted my children to have more than I did without spoiling them. I wanted to give them the keys and the opportunity to succeed. You, I didn't want to give them the world, but I wanted to be able to put them through college, whatever they did, help them out as much as I can. And, for instance, for you, you paid for your college. You had a college debt, and yeah. the other kids did too. But we had the car, we had the insurance, and we had the extra money when they needed it, and we helped with the tuition, and we did the best we could to your benefit. But no pain, no gain, you know, and that, and that's what it is. You got to sacrifice a little bit, so you want it too. So I gotta say, obviously, you 100% overshot that goal you wanted to do because I mean, man and Nick are great. They have kids. I'm single, but I'm, I as I told you earlier, I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life. I have a lot of things going on right now that I'm, I, but I I thank you. Because I guarantee you, if you didn't raise me right as a kid, I definitely wouldn't be here. Because I'd well, be that unthankful son of a bitch that yeah. think things are given to me. You don't have to thank me because <clears throat> I'm the happiest son of a bitch in the room here now. Because <laughs> I'm happy about the achievement not only you, but Amanda and Nick have done. Yeah. So that makes me happy. So my goal, and it's not over. I yeah. got grandkids. And you kids aren't done as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But you kids make me happy. And that's my enjoyment in life. And that was our goal. So what is your next goal then? You're 50... Going to be 57 here that, in September. September 21st. The day I'll be filming in L.A. I want to I wanna, I wanna keep doing... I want to manage the ice business. And uh, my biggest goal, I, I guess, what I can do is uh, I want to... Surround myself with positive people for the rest of my life. And uh, I want to, I'd love to take some kids under my wing and teach them hunting and trapping and some traditions that I have. And uh, that's what I want to do. So, But I'll tell you one thing, if I died tomorrow, I achieved all my goals. I'm the happiest son of a bitch you'll ever meet in your life. That right there is exactly that's exactly when I get a, a point across so everybody listening right now I just gotta say I always say at the end of the show create something great and become unforgettable because life's too short not to and I always say like if you were gonna die tomorrow are you happy with your life and if not what are you doing why the fuck aren't you going after what you want to in life uh, the last question I'm gonna ask dad is what is your advice for somebody that is younger, a young entrepreneur that wants to go after their dreams after everything you've stated? We talked about the whole story going through it that we've done together. What's your best advice for them to have success in life? Well, first you have to have it in your heart and you have to know that that's what you want. But don't be scared. If you're working at a dead-end job or even if you're working at a mediocre job and you're not happy with what you're doing, give them your two-week notice, but at least give them your two-week notice. 
and get the hell out of there and find something that you can't wait to jump out of bed in the morning. I got up at 4.30 this morning. I wish I would have got up at 4 <laughs> because I loved every moment of today. <laughs> so that's great advice. And, Dad, I just want to say thank you. And everybody listening, you, you're probably glad this show finally happened because I'm always talking about my dad. He doesn't realize it. Maybe he can hear me sometimes. Always talking on stage when I'm speaking. I've done on TV. I've done on TV show. I'm doing on the podcast show. Dad, I'm thankful for everything you've done because, I mean, everything I do is to show you. I mean, really, showing what your goal was to show that we could become successful. I'm, I'm doing everything I can to make that the best damn success story you can see. Thank you for everything you've given me. Thank you for giving me the, my life and training me and teaching me everything I know. I appreciate it and I love you so much. And uh, that's it for today's show. Any last words, Dad? Thank you, son. Go out there, create something great, and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. And live each day at the fullest. I'm Brendan T. Adams. This is Randy S. Adams. Have a great day, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the show with my father, Randy S. Adams. The S is for Stanley, actually. That was my grandpa's name, Stanley Adams. So Randy Stanley Adams. Uh, I had a lot of fun with this. Uh, check out the notes at BrandonTAdams.com. I got all the notes there. And you can see the picture of my dad. Uh, this guy is my everything. He has he has created me to create awesome things. You know what the coolest thing I got out of that show is the fact that he said his goal was to create some good kids that he wouldn't give everything to. He had them work for it, but set them up for success to have their own success. And that has happened through my sister, who is a dental hygienist now. Um, through my brother, he has a very successful job in Minneapolis. He's working for wastewater management. And uh, for me, I mean, everything I'm doing, I thank my father from with what we're doing, the TV show, the events, everything. You can hear the guy that created me, and he's taught me everything I know, and I love him. Uh, he just, I'm so thankful to have him in this show. And for you, my advice to you is this. Your parents, your mom, your dad, I highly suggest you interview them. And I'll even post these questions on the questions to ask your your dad is um, before they pass. You can even ask your mother. <clears throat> I'll post them on the notes. And just remember, no matter what your situation with your family members, their family, your mom, your dad, they created you. And whether you have a bad uh, childhood or a good one, like, Either way, it's created you in a way that's allowed you to be who you are today. And maybe your mom or dad weren't the best to you when you were younger, but you know what? Maybe that formed you in the kind of person that you are today that's allowed you to become successful. I don't know. Uh, my parents, have, uh, my mother, Becky Adams, Randy, they've they've trained me to become a great person. And uh, my genuineness and being really nice and just a good person comes with my mother. My dad taught me entrepreneurship, my outgoingness, and just getting shit done from my father. So for you, if you like this show, I, I highly suggest call up your mom and dad, tell them you love them, and uh, just let them know why you care about them, and stay in touch with them, because life's too short not to, you know? It's, uh, it's, a, it's a short life not to have a good relationship with your parents. If you haven't done so already, follow me, add me on Snapchat, btadams18, that's B as in Brandon, T as in Taylor, Adams is A-D-A-M-S, 1-8. 
The reason why I had that 18 is when I was 18 years old. I've always picked that number for a lot of things that I do. But BT Adams 18, follow me, live time, everything I do every single day. People love it. If you snap me, I promise I'll reach back out to you. I do to everyone. So Snapchat is a great way to connect with me. And if you have any other questions, any shows, or anything you want to see, send me an email, brandon at brandontadams.com. That is it for today's show, everyone. And in the meantime, go out there, create something great, and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Brandon T. Adams. Have a great day, everyone.